You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'm really happy to be here. It's a pleasure for me. I would like uh, to make the most of this opportunity. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And although the domestic season is done, uh, Mark Hughes has signed a new three-year contract. That is fantastic news to get that out of the way nice and early. We have the entire summer to look ahead to players uh, and things like that, to sort out the squad, to sell who we need to sell, to bring in who we need to bring in, to loan out who we need to loan out. Uh, and all of that. But none of that has happened yet. And so this episode is brought to you in conjunction with Tactics FC. Uh, if you've never heard of Tactics FC or you're not familiar with them, um, you can follow on Instagram at tactics underscore FC. And the website basically gives you a place to go uh, for all of your fantasy news, uh, for all of your kind of discussions. It's, there's a podcast directory. Uh, there are a number of things at the website that will give you lots and lots of insight. It'll give you a chance to uh, speak with other people who maybe have questions, uh, to share your ideas and all that stuff. Uh, it really is a, a wonderful website, a wonderful a follow on Instagram and also on Twitter. And the links to all those things are in the show notes. So do not hesitate, uh, go and follow them now. And uh, what Tactics FC has done is they've gone out, they've found uh, a bunch of different podcasts uh, and brought them all together to do each show. We'll do one preview of one World Cup squad uh, in an attempt to kind of give you uh, an overview uh, of the tournament in the run up to it. So uh, this is my contribution to that. I spoke with Chris Lash, who is on Twitter at Right Bank Warsaw, who covers um, the the Polish league, uh, knows a lot about the national team, lives in Poland, uh, kind of understands things much much better than I do. And uh, you'll 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 figure that out shortly as we start to speak uh, when we get to that interview. But it was a it was a huge honor to be able to do this. It was a lot of fun to be able to do. Uh, and I was also very nervous in doing it because obviously I'm speaking about something that I know uh, far less about, but uh, I did manage to work Jan Bednarak in there a little bit. And uh, if Chris's voice sounds familiar, it's because way back last summer when we brought in uh, Bednarak to the squad, I talked with him about, about what he, he could possibly bring. And uh, you'll hear Chris's thoughts on, on Bednarak now uh, and it, overall, overwhelmingly positive. Uh, and, and you'll hear what he thinks about the squad. So uh, we'll cover the manager, we'll cover the squad, uh, we'll cover their chances and, and what, what Poland's looking for from their team going into the World Cup Finals. So uh, let's jump straight into that, and I'll talk to you on the other side. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast uh, for this special one-off World Cup preview of the Polish squad, uh, Chris Lash. He's on Twitter at RightBankWarsaw. He's got a website right bank warsaw uh and he's here as uh the polish expert to kind of uh 
help me out and help me uh, kind of preview this Polish squad and, and talk a little bit about the World Cup. So, Chris, welcome to the show and, and thanks for doing this for me. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I hope I do it justice the Polish squad and stuff. So thanks. Oh, I think I think I think we'll be fun. I think this will be fun. And, and I have I've had a, a a good time looking up uh, some of these players and, and kind of trying to wrap my head around uh, this massive squad, which we'll we'll talk about. Uh, of course, it's got to go down to 23 players. It's just not quite there yet. But uh, before we do that, um, you are are very heavily involved in in the extra classa. I, I hope I've said that correctly. Um, and and kind of analyzing it. And you have a a, a podcast and a, and a TV show, and you write about it. But can you tell us a little bit about that before we kind of jump into this, just so people get an idea who, uh, of who you are and what you do? Uh, so yeah, my background is I'm a I'm actually an academic. I'm a historian. Uh, I moved to Poland, taught English, well, 2003, did my MA over here, then did my PhD in the UK, uh, moved back over to Poland in 2011, and uh, in 2012, I basically uh, started a blog about the Euros that were over here, and then it kind of uh, went in various random directions, uh, and I... Uh, now, basically, uh, just uh, write about Polish football, m- mostly via Twitter, uh, but I've also got a pod, uh, which uh, uh, I've got a couple of guys uh, on it, and uh, we have regular guests, and I uh, really enjoy that. So, uh, yeah. As you know, as someone who does a pod, it is a really, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, it takes a bit of time to edit it and do various things, but uh, in, in general, it's a, it's a really fun thing to do because you're a, uh, it's like talking with guys in a in a bar or in a pub, but uh, but you're uh, uh, not being very rowdy, obviously. But it's just an it's just a really nice uh, activity. And uh, I also had a, a TV. Uh, well, it was like a Facebook show, which was put on by Eurosport in Poland, uh, which uh, unfortunately finished in February for various reasons. But uh, not not my not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, but it, but it was but it was that was really fun. I did that in Polish the language. I had guests on um, like a half an hour thing. Relatively successful, and uh, um, everything was uh, yeah. So basically, I kind of uh, doing a lot of different uh, things around Polish football. But uh, my main focus on the part is the actual Polish league. But um, I obviously know quite a lot about the national team as well. So yeah, well, pl- plenty of of uh, at least in the ex- in the preliminary roster, plenty of of players playing in the Polish league um, on the roster, and we'll kind of have to see if they. If they can kind of stick around and, and make the the final twenty three, um, but but before we do that and talking about a little bit about history and stuff like that, um, you know Poland hasn't made the World Cup finals uh, I think since two thousand six. So you know, Lewandowski never never played in the World Cup finals. Has amassed a ton of goals for the team and for uh, you know his, his club teams as well. Um, and I assume he's going to be kind of the main figurehead. He's going to be the one kind of expected to score goals and things like that. But um, I guess in Poland, what, what does it mean to to some of the the fans and and, and things like that that they have they, they're in the finals now and, and that this team what what are the thoughts that this team could actually kind of really do something and and they're kind of relying on them to to do that in terms of maybe national pride or something like that. Well, I think it's a it's a it's a big thing. I mean, I think for every country getting to the World Cup is a big thing. I mean, for other for bigger countries, it's more like expected, but at the same time, incredible amount of excitement around. Getting to the World Cup uh, for Poland, um, yeah, I mean, as you were saying, I mean, it's, it's interesting that Lewandowski is, you know, he's such a key figure, iconic figure, really now, uh, someone who's 30 actually in August, so he's already getting up there in terms of age. 
but he's never played for the uh, played in the World Cup. Uh, and you know the Euros, even though in some respects the Euros is more competitive because all the teams are on a, a similar level, the World Cup just has that special kind of something uh, excitement value around it. Uh, and so uh, even though he played a couple of years ago uh, in the Euros, this is this is a, a massive event for him. Um, for a number of other players uh, like uh, Kuba, Jakub Wasikowski, who's uh, now 32, I think, had it, uh, nearly 33. Um, people like Piszczek, who's playing still at Dortmund, who's also 32. So uh, Gleek, I think, is 30. So there's uh, quite a few players who who uh, have been around for a long time and done have been successful internationally. Um, and this is their real chance to just... Uh, to, to, well, to show the world really that they are, uh, you know, world class or at least international class uh, players. Uh, in terms of for Poland, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a massive thing. Uh, you know, they've not been there for twelve uh, years, uh, uh, and not only that, in two thousand and six and two thousand two, they were knocked out in the group stages. I think they lost. If I'm wrong, I'm not sure if I'm wrong or not right or not, but I think they lost the first two games in both of those. Uh, Tournaments, so the third match didn't matter uh, in the group stage. So um, they beat the US actually uh, in 2002 in the last game, but it didn't matter uh, because they were out already. So, uh, so, so really, you got to look back to like '86 uh, when Poland uh, last made uh, made it out of the group stage when Boniek, the famous uh, Juventus and Roma player who now is the Polish FA uh, president. Uh, um, was 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 a key player and a couple of other good players. So so okay for so 32 years since they made it out of a group stage. Uh, so that means you're talking, you know, a whole generation of people who've never seen Poland make it out of a group stage at a World Cup. Uh, so this is a, this is a massive thing. Yeah, a massive yeah, thing. and it means it means a lot of the players on the team have never seen Poland move out of the group stage. You know. Um, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. I think I think only. Actually, I don't even know if anyone's over 32 years old in the squad. There might be <laughs> one player. I don't know, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think everyone's under 32, actually. I can't think maybe Fabianski's 32. I think Fabianski's the same age. So, yeah, basically all these players have, have uh, you know, Wasikowski, Kuba was uh, was one years old when uh, Poland made it to the second round in 1986. So. It makes me it makes yeah. me feel a bit old talking about them because I, I am the same age as them. But, like, you know, they yeah. are, they are out there still playing professional football and going to the World Cup and I'm sitting here talking about it. So <laughs> much, much different. I was six in, in 86. So that, that's the World Cup. But I can, there's like a tiny little, like very, very, very brief kind of memories. I think the television might have been on and I was probably running around annoying my dad or something. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a long time ago. So it's, it's, it's a big thing. And uh, pol- uh, football is uh, Poland's national sport. Um, in terms, and mostly in terms of in terms of financing. So you know, uh, the way that it works over here is that uh, it's normally cities that build the stadiums, uh, so clubs don't. So not only is it a big uh, spectator sport, but it's also um, the, the most heavily financed sport by uh, the state and uh, local kind of governmental bodies. So it's a uh, it's a massive thing. All right. Well, they haven't been to the World Cup final since two thousand six, but they have been. Uh, they they were obviously they played in the Euros, the quarterfinalists. What was made of that kind of of this group kind of doing having that performance and going that kind of deep into the Euros? Was that 
was that expected? And has that kind of set the the expectation for for the team to go and and do well? Even though uh, you know during the Euros, uh, Lewandowski didn't really um, didn't didn't really fire as much you know as you would have hoped he would have. Yeah, I mean, um, I think a lot of teams played uh, a couple of uh, defenders or put two people on him almost at times. So, um, so <clears throat> he was really not really marked out of the game, but I think he had a lot of attention. So that sort of gives him a bit of an excuse for why he didn't. I think maybe he did score. I think he scored one. I keep, I, I keep forgetting. I think it's, I think it was one goal. But in general, he wasn't great. Um, but in terms, yeah, I think you know. Going back to what we were saying before, these players, are, a lot of these, sort of, not golden generation, but players who are really achieved stuff, are really getting up there in terms of age. Uh, so it's crucial that they do something. Uh, but uh, also what happened two years ago, you know, they, they did pretty well, well, quite well at the, at, the, at the Euros, even if they weren't playing, you know, scintillating football. It was pretty, uh, pretty, um, it wasn't boring, but it was, it was pretty, it wasn't, very open, it was right. quite conservative the way they played, and uh, um, so yeah, I think it really does um, make people excited and make people expect uh, something. And um, at this at this one, but uh, uh, yeah, I'll probably get onto it later. But it's just difficult to predict what's going to happen because uh, sure. it's a pretty kind of I'm not saying random group, but quite a diverse group, and uh, it could go a number of different directions. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. So going through qualifying, you know, Poland finishes top of the group. They have been ranked as high as seventh in the FIFA rankings, which, you know, take them for, for, for what you want. Uh, I think they're currently 10th uh, the last time I, I checked, which, you know, they, they are kind of a, a, a well-respected team, I think. I think a lot of people look at them and, and, and think that they can do something in the, you know, in, in the tournament. They're, they're, like you said, their, their group is... Is is difficult to predict some of the teams that are in there. Colombia, Senegal, uh, you know, you you would expect them to, you know, it's, it's I don't really know what to expect from Senegal. You know, you know, Colombia is decent. Uh, they like to they like to play uh, some good football. Uh, Japan will be super well organized, so it'll be kind of interesting to see the game plan and how it shifts with with Poland doing that. But, um, you know, they they topped their group in qualifying. They conceded 14 goals, which I think is the most of any team that finished in the top two in their group. Um, it is the defense a worry for, for you going into this tournament or, or what do you think the the manager uh, is going to do to kind of sure that up uh, as they move forward? It's a difficult one. I mean, uh, it's interesting because uh, in the World Cup qualifiers, sorry, in the Euro qualifiers as well, uh, before 2016, they also scored a lot of goals and weren't particularly good defensively. And then when the final came around, finals came around, they were really good defensively and didn't score many goals. So, uh, I'm not sure how much qualifying will have an impact on the way that Poland plays at the tournament and how many goals uh, they'll score. Um, obviously, defence, it, it is a bit of a, a worry that they, they let in that many goals. Um, 14 is a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I said, I, I'm not sure how much impact the, the qualifiers will have on, on the actual World Cup because... Uh, Navalka decided to play relatively conservatively at, at the Euros um, and uh, kept things tight and, uh, you know, uh, was pretty, well, wasn't particularly exciting. So it's difficult to say, but there's a good chance that Poland will also play relatively conservatively at the tournament. 
and at the World Cup, and then I don't think the uh, I don't think it's gonna the defense is gonna be as much of a problem. But you know, let's see. Well, I mean, the the quality of of opposition that you're facing in in in, in qualifying is not always obviously the greatest. And yeah. I think that, you know, there, there's, there are certain levels of, of, of teams that you come up against. There are some that are just, you know, you're just going to run them over, um, you know, and then there are some that are, are small maybe, and maybe don't have the star power, but they are very compact. They're very organized and they, they'll make you break them down and maybe you beat them, you know, two nil or whatever. Uh, and then there are other teams that they're going to run into, like, you know, for instance, Columbia who are going to make you play and they're going to also challenge you. And so that will be, um, you know, different. And w- once you get to the tournament, I think there are going to be th- that, that disparity isn't always going to be there. Um, y- you know, the, yeah, they totally, got Japan, yeah. but they're still going to be organized and they're still going to make you work a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing is that, you know, look at the way that, you know, England have qualified for pretty much every tournament really easily, especially the last you know, 10 or 12 years. And then when the, when the finals come along, it's a completely different team. Uh, you know, everything's very tight and uh, not many goals. And uh, I mean, the, 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 the one thing that sort of might suggest that the World Cup, you know, that there might be more goals in this World Cup and Poland's group, it might be a bit more crazy in terms of that uh, is the fact that in general, you know, you look at the top leagues now, no, no top teams can defend. You know, right. there used to be the fact that there used to be quite good centre backs, you know, um, left backs and stuff. And now it's just. You know, look at the Champions League this year, just really ridiculously bad defending. Uh, uh, so, uh, who knows, maybe maybe uh, in the World Cup in general, maybe in Poland, there will be a lot of goals. Maybe there will be some crazy matches. Well, so let's let's talk a little bit about the manager. You mentioned him uh, a little bit earlier, but Adam Nawalka, um, he, he obviously managed the team to the knockout stages of the Euros. Uh, he managed uh, Krakow uh, to the Polish title uh, a few years ago. Um, I think, and he's played, he played for Poland and, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, in terms of, of kind of trusting him to be able to, to lead the team, he, his contract runs to the end of this tournament. Um, what's the, you know, are people happy with him and, and how he's kind of got them through qualifying and things like that? Or are people in Poland kind of looking at him going, you know, we should go elsewhere or what, what's the feeling around him? Well, uh, I think, although maybe I'm wrong, he's, at least is in the top two or three kind of longest, longest sort of serving managers uh, for the Polish national team in their history. He's been in charge since November 2013, so almost you know four and a half years, um, and uh, quite a lot of pressure uh, from the uh, Polish media and the Polish public. So to be in charge for four and a half years is is a real um, is a real success. Uh, the average uh, length of time in the Polish club game, you know, in the top league is you know, for a manager is about a year. So he's done a great job. And, you know, I don't know his actual record, but it's, it's a very, very high winning percent, winning percent, uh, percentage. And uh, so um, no one, no one's, there's hardly any criticism of him, I'd say. Okay. Uh, he, he doesn't do things in a controversial way. Uh, he, um very private person, someone who hardly talks to the media. When he talks to the media, it's, it's very, a bit boring, really. Not very many interesting things. I think that his kind of um, strength is the fact that he's a uh, he's a very good interpersonal. Uh, he uh, respects every uh, person who's in the squad. Uh, he has a very uh, personal touch in terms of discussing um, issues ar- around uh, 
you know, what he expects from them, how things are going in their private lives and all that kind of stuff. So he's almost like a father figure uh, for the players. Also someone who, uh, you know, experienced big tournaments before. He played 35 times for Poland or 34 times, but he um, he had injuries, so he could have played more. He was <clears throat> one of the best young players in the 1978 World Cup. Um, so... He's someone who um, who uh, really has uh, respect within the Polish game. Um, uh, people didn't expect him to do so well. I mean, he had, didn't do that well um, uh, in terms of uh, club football. He was uh, going Zabrze coach for like three or four years, I think, and did very w- well there, but like nothing, like no massive uh, successes. And he was uh, at various periods. He was a coach in Wisła uh, Kraków, as you were saying before. Um, but only sort of filling in when uh, bigger managers uh, were either fired or there were problems at the club. So, so before he took over, there were very low expectations. But he's managed to uh, create a side which plays again, at least in qualifiers, quite attacking football. He's managed to, uh, you know, harness the power of Lewandowski. Lewandowski is now a top goalscorer for the uh, in, historically in terms of the Polish national team. But before. Uh, he, before Navalka took charge, uh, uh, basically Lewandowski wasn't scoring properly enough for the national team. I think since he's been in charge, uh, since Navalka's been in charge, uh, Lewandowski's got like, you know, 34 goals in 37 games or something like that. I don't know the exact figures, but he's gone, he's done fantastically well. Um, and that's partly because, uh, of the, the, the way that Navalka works and, the way that he respects players and gives them space as well when they need it and all this kind of stuff. So, um, I, as a, as a, as an individual who in publicly he's, I find him very boring. Navalka. <laughs> I, 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 he never says anything interesting. He, he, he never says anything controversial. He never, um, you know, for someone who's covering the Polish national team, it's not, it's nothing, it's nothing exciting about the way that he, he is as a as a personality, but what he's done is is really fantastic uh, in terms of the the results he's got, but also the the atmosphere around the squad. Um, so you know he's done a, a very good job. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about about the squad and about you speak of him. Um, you know, being pretty good with the players. He's got a lot of players to be very good with on an interpersonal level with this kind of big, uh, you know, 35 man preliminary squad that he's, he's, he named initially. Uh, we were talking before he's cut it down now to 32, but he's got to be down to 23 by June 4th. So he's got a lot of, uh, kind of cuts to make. And I'll just kind of point out one of the things that I noticed when looking at the squad, 11 of the players uh, on that 35 man squad play, their professional football or their club football in Poland. Um, and, and the rest of those guys are playing outside of, of the Polish league, outside of the uh, extra class in various leagues, uh, mostly in Italy uh, and England and Germany. But, you know, let, let's start at, at the top with the, with the goalkeepers and we'll kind of work our way through, through the, the thing and, and we'll kind of see, you know, uh, who he think, who you think is going to, is going to be around when it, when it comes time to, to, to go to the finals and, and, and things like that. And, and maybe uh, some players to watch, uh, outside of uh, kind of maybe the obvious one or two, um, so so let's start up up with the keepers. Um, you know, you have Fabianski, uh, but I think from my understanding, it's basically Chesney's job to lose. Is that is that kind of the the going kind of 
feeling in Poland? It sort of goes up and I mean, basically, Avalka likes to play players who who play at their clubs in general. And uh, Szczęsny has been in and out, I think, as far as I know, in terms of the season for Juventus. Uh, but Fabianski um, is more of a stable keeper. Uh, Szczęsny is more of a uh, shot stopper, really, I would say. But, you know, Fabianski, I think was, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he might have been player of the season for Swansea uh, in the Prem this year, but I might be completely wrong, but he's been very good for them. So it's a, it's a, to me, it's a real uh, toss-up between Szczęsny and, uh, and, and Fabianski. Um, probably Szczęsny is the better technical goalkeeper I mean, sorry, in terms of making saves. So mm-hmm. maybe he's just ahead of Fabianski, but they're very even, I think. Uh, you did mention, though, that he, he wants to play players who are, who are getting game time and playing. And, and some he left off some some players who, you know, were either out through injury for a lot of the season or, or maybe just didn't weren't playing consistently enough at their various clubs. And and you mentioned that that Chesney obviously was behind Buffon at, at Juventus. And, and there was some. You know, from what I read, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, worry about him choosing that job and going there um, to be a backup at kind of the age he's at and and being, you know, I mean, he's played for Arsenal. He was the, the keeper for Arsenal for for several years. He played well at Roma. Um, it looks like now he's there's a good chance he's going to be the, the, the keeper uh, going forward at Juventus. But uh, yeah, like you said, um, Fabianski didn't have a, a, a terrible season. He had a pretty good season uh, despite Swansea being relegated. Um, so that will be good. Of those four that I, that I have on the list, there, who you know, which of those guys is gonna is gonna be the one to get to go? Is it gonna be um, the guy that plays for Ipswich? I won't try to pronounce his name. I'll let you do that. Or uh, what do you think? Well, Bielkowski's had a great season for Ipswich. He played all the games, but Skorupski uh, has been in the international setup for longer. So it's whether whether Novalka basically accepts someone who has been in the, the setup for a long time but hasn't played as much this season, or someone like um, Bielkowski, who's played a lot, but at a lower level, and doesn't really, and has only really, he's only started to be called up this year um, for the uh, for the national team. Okay. So, again, it, 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 in some respects, it's a toss-up, but I, I think probably, um, I probably think Bielkowski's going to be, uh, not going to make it. Okay. Because, because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, thing about it is is that Fabianski and Shansky are probably not going to get injured. Right. So the third keeper doesn't matter that much. So I think probably Skrupski. I think Skrupski is going to make it. Okay. All right. Um, now getting into the defenders and the entire you know reason that I've chosen uh, the Poland squad to preview is is uh, the man that I put at the top of that list right there. Uh, Jan Bednarak. Obviously we, we spoke. Our first ever interaction was over him and that transfer uh, coming over from, from Poznan and um, you know, he was one for the future. He actually did get in the team. His first, uh, his first match was a uh, he played in a back three against Wolves in the EFL Cup, and we we got smoked. Um, and he looked terrible. And then he kind of went away, went to the under twenty threes for a while. Uh, was thrown in at the end of the season when we we're in a relegation battle, and he was fantastic. So, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that players can develop and get better, and they don't always have to be uh, the player that we initially see. Uh, I don't think he's quite ready to be uh, a stalwart in the, in the in the in the Polish defense or in Southampton's defense, but uh, it was nice to see him get a call up uh, based on his performances towards the end of the season. Um, my feeling is though that he's probably not going to make this final squad, 
Um, but going through there, uh, you have some veteran kind of defenders that are around. Uh, you have guys like uh, Glick, who's playing in Monaco, uh, things like that, pl- players that we would have uh, recognized um, from watching other leagues and things like that. Going across, maybe either, there's some talk of possibly playing a, playing a back three, but uh, if they're playing a back, a back four, who's, who's going to get the start maybe? And I know, uh, I know right back has been a, a bit of an issue or sorry, left back has been a bit of an issue. You don't have a natural kind of left-footed uh, player that can play there. But w- who would you who would you go with based on on the players that he selected uh, for the preliminary squad? Yeah, I mean, one of the big issues historically, really, last twenty years, is that Poland hasn't had a good left back. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a difficult position, I think, to fill any in it all over the world. It, first of all, people are naturally left-footed often, right? Okay. Second of all, it's sort of a position where you have to sort of be between. You know, especially in modern day football, a lot of left backs are expected to also be foot, um, attacking, you know, and uh-huh. even wingers. You know, almost, you know, they do both jobs, right? So, um, so it, I don't think it's just, a, it's, it's, I think it's a common problem actually around uh, mm-hmm. international football. But I, I think that the reason why uh, Navalka has started been playing a 3 5 2 recently uh, is partly because of that left back issue. So the idea is to play obviously three centre backs, uh, then you can play a left. Uh, the person who's on the left hand side can be can double, you know, as a left back and and a winger, but can do more more work as a winger, right? And then the left sided centre back can cover over for them. So I, I think in terms of who will play on the left, oh, also I just to really say I think that Bednarek is going to make it. I think he's going to make this one. Do you? And oh, then the re- that, yeah, that, yeah. That that makes me feel good. I like that. Yeah. And the reason why is because uh, he did so well in four or five games in the Premier League, which is a really uh, challenging league. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, the level is higher than this in Serie A. Um, so I, I think he'll probably make it. Uh, but that's my feeling. Uh, I think that uh, Navalka likes him and stuff, but but it, it, he might not. I mean, uh, if you look at, um, so I saw again, in terms of left back, I think what he's probably going to, probably what he's going to do, I think he'll probably play 3 5 2. That's the way I see it. And okay. He's been playing it a lot in friendlies. Um, so I think probably the person who will probably play on the left is probably uh, actually a midfielder. And that would be Maciej Ribus, who plays at Lokomotiv Moscow. He is more of a winger. Uh, he's played it in a left-back before in the past and made a lot of mistakes. But he's had a pretty good season. Uh, he won the league with uh, Lokomotiv Moscow in the, in the Russian Premier League. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, in 2016, the Poland played uh, a player which is almost impossible to pronounce if you're not Polish, but uh, Artur Jędrzejczyk, a uh, Legia Warsaw player. But <clears throat> Jędrzejczyk is more of a sort of centre back or even a right back, really. Uh, but he played a left back because he's quite um, he's quite uh, you know flexible, adaptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's had a very bad season for Legia. Uh, he's uh, they won the league, but uh, he's been uh, he's had bad performances, been quite petulant. Um, so uh, I think of the more experienced players, the ones that might go are someone like Genjacic, uh, but might not go. Sorry, or someone like Genjacic, and we'll probably come to a bit later. But a guy called uh, Swavomir Peshko, who has a lot of caps, but uh, is sort of not really on form. So yeah, so left back, I'd say either Ribos. If he's going to play three five two, or potentially he'll play uh, someone who plays for Górnik Zabrze in Poland, Rafał Kuzawa, who um, has had a great season for for Górnik. He's probably might go to Sampdoria actually this summer. 
um, and uh, his lot of assists. So he's kind of a left-sided player, quite slow, not really a defender. Then obviously you'd have to have a you know you'd have to have a strong guy on the left of the, the centre backs to play there as well. But um, the other option as well is also to play uh, Kamil Groszycki, who plays for Hull, because mm-hmm. he can sort of also play on the left. But then again, he's a he's a really attacking player, Groszycki, um, and uh, someone who again a lot of it depends on what's going to happen with Kuba because Kuba is hardly he's not played at all for Wolfsburg in the spring. Uh, and normally Kuba would play on the right, okay, but he might not make it. So if he doesn't make it, then Grosicki will probably play on the right and someone like Khrushchev on the left. I'm sorry, that's, maybe that's a bit too confusing. Uh, I'm trying to explain that. No, 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 no the, I, uh, I, I'm following. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of centre-backs, um, I think if he plays a three, I think it'll probably be Gleek. I'm sure Gleek, Gleek will definitely start. Hazdan will almost certainly start. Uh, he had a great Euro 2016, still playing uh-huh. in the Polish extra class with Legia. And the third one, I think, is probably going to be uh, Thiago Tronek, who plays for Spal, uh, who I think stayed up in the Italian league, but maybe uh, I'm wrong. <laughs> Quickly checks the Serie A table. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, so anyway, apparently he played pretty well towards the end of the season for... Um, they did stay up. They just stayed up. And he, he had a really good performance against Juventus uh, where they threw 0-0 spout. And uh, so I think uh, he's actually Brazilian. Uh, he's got Brazil, well, he's really Brazilian, but he's got Polish uh, background. So played in the Polish league for four or five years. So I think that it'll probably be Czonek, Gleek and um, Pazdan. Uh, at right back, both white right wing, it's probably Piszczek, I think. Probably Piszczek because uh, as far as I know, he's had a very good season again at, at Borussia. Uh, so I think that it would be, yeah, then probably Ribos on the left or Kujava, uh, probably in centre-back, Gleek, uh, Chonek and uh, Pazdan. And on the right, probably Piszczek. Probably okay. Piszczek. Potentially Bwashikovsky. All right. Kuba. Yeah. I mean, moving moving forward in, in into midfield, and this is, I think, where there is is talk of who else is going to score goals and where is the creativity going to come from when you come up, you know, when you play Japan, who's going to break them down uh, versus uh, when you come up against uh, Colombia or, or Senegal, who's going to, you know, be able to, to support uh, Lewandowski uh, go, going forward. So uh, looking at, at the, at these midfielders, um, you know, who, who makes that, that, that squad, we've kind of looked at the, the, the wide players, but maybe who's going to play in central midfield for, for this team. Yeah, I, I think that uh, even though he's had not had a very good season, um, I think that uh, Krihoviak, the uh, well, on loan from Petr uh, to to well, he was at West Brom, and uh-huh. I think that he'll he'll definitely start um, just because he was such a key player in the year 2016, and you know he's part of this kind of five five or six key core players for the national team. You know they all good friends, and uh, I think that he'll. Definitely start. Okay. I'm, I'm almost certain of it. Um, alongside him, uh, as the other kind of sort of sitting midfielder, really, because I think they'll play two sitting midfielders and one attacking midfielder, and I'll get onto the, the attacking midfielder in a second. But uh, probably next to him, it'll, I, I think it's going to be either 
Linetti, who plays uh, in Sampdoria, uh, played for Sampdoria in Serie A, he's had a good season. Or um, Monchinski, who plays for Legia. And Monchinski's been injured uh, this uh, in the spring, for quite a lot of the spring, so he hasn't played very much. But he was he's a pretty tested player. He played in the Euro 2016, did well for Poland, relatively well. And he's a pretty stable player, whereas Linetti hasn't played that great for the, the Polish national team. But at the same time, he's young. He's playing in a very competitive league. So I, I think that it's probably going to be Linetti alongside Krihoviak uh, in the centre. Um, and then, uh, well, the player who's you know certain to start is uh, is uh, Zielinski, the uh, Napoli uh, attacking midfielder. So what will happen is Zielinski will be the uh, number 10, the one in front, behind the front two, I think. And uh, he's really the key player for Poland. I, I'd say even, I'd say more than Lewandowski, uh, and I'll explain why. <laughs> Basically, you know, there's been a lot of discussion recently about the English national team and about how, you know, Wilshere, you know, is that player who can play key passes, but, you know, some mm-hmm. people hate him. I, I find the hate for Wilshere a bit over the top. I mean, okay, he's done a couple of <laughs> slightly irritating things, but we all do. He's a, he's a young guy, you know. So what, you know? You know, this incredible over-the-top fascination with, you know, the imperfections of, of, of young men. It's, it's just, I, I, I don't get the, the hatred of him. Uh, the problem is, the problem is, he's, you know, injury problem. That's the main issue. England don't really have uh, a kind of a player who can play key passes, who can, you know, unlock defences. And Zielinski uh, is that player for Poland. Um, he's very technically gifted. You've probably seen some of these goals that Napoli have been scoring. Uh, like on social media, they sort of, you know, they show the, you know, Twitter, the, the videos, these beautiful, like long, you know, cross the pitch uh, goals which start from the back. And, you know, Napoli on Vasari played great football. And uh, Zielinski, even though he doesn't play all the time, he's been the person often who's played those wonderful, like last, you know, those balls that assist for, for goals. Um, and uh, it looks like, for example, Hamshik. Uh, Marek Hamšík, the uh, the Slovakian guy, is a player, great player, playmaker, who's going to leave Napoli this year. So uh, that just shows that um, that probably uh, Zielinski is going to play a, an important role for Napoli next year, and he he's crucial for the uh, the Polish national team. And I think in some respects, just as much of the fact that there's a lack of a left back that uh, meant that Navalko changed the formation to three five two. I think that he also changed it because. Three five two suits Jelinski because it allows two defensive midfielders to you know give him that freedom to uh, to operate behind the back two uh, quite freely. And looking at that, uh, obviously uh, Lewandowski going to be up there, probably a, a starter, probably a lock to start every game, and, and most likely captain the squad. Um, is Milik going to start alongside him, or, or who else might might challenge Milik for that second spot? Yeah, I think it's pretty. Clear, it's going to be Milik. I mean, you know, people were worried because he had a, a second, I think, ACL, a different ACL, uh, crucial ligament. Um, people were worried he wouldn't get back to full fitness, but uh, he's uh, come back for Nap- Napoli and he's uh, scored some important goals towards the end of the season. He's got a great left foot. Uh, him and uh, Lewandowski really work together very well. He missed some very bad chances uh, at the World Cup uh, in, uh, sorry, the Euros two years ago. Uh, especially against Germany in a very tight game. But uh, 
but uh, I, I, I think that uh, he's you know he's quite good in the air as well. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Milik and Lewandowski together uh, up there. And I guess just moving towards uh, looking slightly at the group, we we spoke briefly about it earlier, but the group is tough to predict, and and I'm not good at predicting things even when I know the team. So let alone you know I'll be honest, I haven't watched a whole lot of Senegal this year. So you know. I do know, you know, we have a, a few Southampton players that are, that are former Southampton players, possibly that will be involved in the group. So, looking at that group, you would expect Poland to get through. My my guess would be that it would be Colombia and 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 Poland going through. I think you would expect to win the group, even if it's not by by you know a, a, a huge margin. But after that, um, you're likely to face England or Belgium in the in the next round, depending on how their group goes. If you get knocked out at the first hurdle, the first knockout stage, um, obviously, the obviously probably be disappointed. But uh, would that go down as a as a as a failure? Or if you come up against a Belgium in that in that in that situation, is that just an kind of an unlucky draw, and and you just kind of have to take it? Yeah. Again, I think probably whole thing that uh, that the team should be favourites to at least come second in the uh, in the group. Again, Senegal. I think kind of not an unknown quality. They've got some very good attacking players, and I think that mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that I'd be worried about. You know, obviously Mane was is a great player, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, very again one of the better players in the Champions League, which was was last night. I'm not sure when this is going out, but uh, he was great. And um, I think they've named about twelve strikers in there, or something <laughs> like that. It was like ten attacking players. So um, I, I I think Senegal will could potentially. I win the group as well. I think the Japan are the weakest, uh, uh, not just in terms of the players, but also um, they changed their coach recently, and uh, I think that's caused quite a lot of uh, kind of problems in the in the squad and and stuff. So I, I I'd probably say yeah, Colombian Poland equal favourites, Senegal wild card, and uh, Japan probably yeah I, I wouldn't expect them to, but who knows? Yeah, the second round. So Poland's expecting at least a second round. Uh, if if, okay. if 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 they don't, if Poland doesn't make it, then I think there's going to be serious, uh, you know, ne- negativity and depression uh, here, and lots of soul searching and all that stuff like you get after every tournament exit. Um, if you get to uh, the second round, I think if they lost to Belgium or England, I think people would be a bit disappointed, but I think they would probably understand it, um, even though England are theoretically weaker than they have been for. A while, I mean, you know, sort of, sort of untested players or not very mm-hmm. highly capped players, and uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't know what's going to happen with England at this moment. I think it it, it could be great or it could be awful. Uh, I have no idea. In terms of <clears throat> obviously, Belgium is incredibly uh, star-studded kind of uh, squad, but you know, it's a sort of a strange uh, coach. You know, Roberto Martinez dropping Nangolan from uh, Roma and. All this stuff. I, I I think that they could also be vulnerable. So potentially Poland could 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 make the quarters. To be honest, I've been because I've I knew that it was either Belgium or England in the next round. I've hardly looked at who Poland would play in the quarters. <laughs> I've got no idea <laughs> what, what, what would happen in the quarters. But uh, uh, I I think that um, people would be very disappointed if they they go out in the in the group. Slightly disappointed in the second round. Uh, but they'd expect it probably, especially if they play 
relatively well. Poland plays relatively well. I think in the, in in the final, if if they make the quarters, that would be a will definitely be a success. Uh, okay. And unless they get absolutely pasted in their quarters, people would be, I think, relatively quite happy, like eight out of ten uh, happy uh, if they made the quarters. But if you get England uh, in, in that first knockout round, all you have to do play five at the back. Play seven at the back. Doesn't eight to ten doesn't matter. Take them to penalties and you're through. Yeah, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, it's gonna, um, so I, I, I'll be obviously <laughs> divided loyalties as an English person living over here. But I think I mean I follow the English, the Polish league, and Poland closer to be honest than England uh, currently. But uh, it should be uh, uh, interesting. I'd imagine that I might get some some media offers if uh, Poland do play England at some point during the yeah. Tournament. Well, hey, it could be good. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um. So. I do have one kind of other question and that's, you know, we mentioned how many players are playing outside of Poland and, and we talked earlier or last summer, it's been almost a year now uh, about Bednarak coming over to, to the Premier League. And there are a lot of players that are, are exiting the extra class and playing at, at other leagues. And, and how important is this for some of those players who are going to make the squad um, that, that play in, in Poland? How important is this for them to to get out of of, of Poland maybe and play at, at higher level? Um, you know, and I mean that respectfully. I don't mean yeah. any disrespect to the to the league, but you know, how important is this uh, for for them and for the national team to get players out playing in in the Bundesliga or playing in Syria or playing uh, elsewhere? Uh, well, I think that um, historically, basically, Polish players uh, because of the Cold War and curtain. They weren't allowed to uh, move until they were 30 to 32. I think they reduced it a little bit towards the end of the 1980s before the system fell apart. So historically, you couldn't move, right? So it was very difficult to. Then uh, in the 90s, we got the first move, move, moves of people, you know, leaving and going to other clubs. And but basically, as the Bosman rule came in, 2004, I think. When did Bosman come in? It was 95. But then there was the then. Poland entered the EU in 2004, which meant it incredibly easy for players to move around. Um, uh-huh. It's been a, a massive drain of quality from the Polish League, uh, uh, which is what, one of the major issues really here in terms of someone who actually likes the league and watches it and sort of gets excited by it. Um, I think that uh, that's a, a major issue is that basically uh, you get a lot of young players in the, in the league and a lot of old players, but um, if you're in your mid-20s and you haven't left Poland, you're almost considered a failure. Uh, so I think that uh, everyone, uh, anyone who's playing in Poland will be looking to, you know, to do well or to get in the squad and maybe come on if you're not starting or whatever for, and play 20 minutes to get uh, a move somewhere. I mean, okay. recently what's happened is that, uh, as you, you can see in your little the chart you've made there, that... Uh, Nine players play in Italy. I think that what's happened is that a couple of players came over uh, to Italy, did pretty well. People like Milik, Zielinski, Golubski's over there, um, and some other players. And I think that basically um, it started to become a trusted direction for Italian scouts. And obviously that means that Polish agents are desperately looking for those connections so that they can sell their clients uh, over there. So, um, and, and I think that the jump up between the Polish league and the Italian league is not as high as the jump up between the Polish league and the English league or even the German league. So I think that, uh, I think it is important for Poland to have players playing in, in, in better leagues. 
Um, but there's, there's a kind of, uh, a kind of, uh, sort of, sort of bittersweetness to it because what it means is that, uh, the, the own, the domestic league is, is weakened to the, to the extent that, you know, a lot of polls now watching Italian league, German league, Premier league to such an extent that, uh, yeah, it just, it's a bit, it's a bit sad. I mean, I know that as, as an American, as you're an American who is watching the Premier league mostly, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know what your relationship is to the MLS. Some people like it. Some people are very anti MLS, I think in the States, but. It's, uh, I suppose most American players, at least most of them play in the MLS, right? Most of them play in the MLS. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but, you know, I understand what you're saying. And I, and I understand kind of the, uh, maybe the Western bias and, and even asking the, the question the way I phrased it. And I hope people uh, oh, no. under, understand that. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, playing in the MLS, you, there are very few players who make just an exorbitant amount of money. There are a lot of, of MLS players who make, less money than I do. And I'm a, I'm a school teacher, you know, and that's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. Um, so if you want big money moves, you got to go elsewhere. And, and so to get out of, of here. And, and I think I'm one of the, the people that was always pushing and, and hoping that players would go elsewhere. Like when I see Christian Pulisic go to Borussia Dortmund, it's, I think it's great. Go push yourself, go challenge yourself, go develop there. But the MLS is, MLS is getting better. Um, but like you said, if, if all of the talent leaves and it drains the, the, the home league, then people start, stop watching, uh, people, it becomes less, less interesting and less competitive. And then you have this, you know, you just have more of a desire to move if you're a young, talented player, because you don't want to play, uh, maybe in a league that's not respected in that. And so there, there are issues that, that go along, uh, along with it. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting to see how many players are, are, are playing in Syria right now or are playing in Italy. Um, and, and, and Italy is a very technical league. Uh, the players that go there seem to do very, very well. Um, Kroviak, I hope I've said that correctly, didn't have the best league in the, or didn't have the best season in the premier league on loan. But, um, you know, I think he'll, he'll go back to, to PSG hopefully and, and, and kind of kick on from there. So I don't know. And, and, and Bedrack seems to be, be holding his own, uh, for, for us, for Southampton. So, which I'm, I'm more than happy with. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was just I think that the the, the 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 problem for me isn't the fact that top players go abroad because I think that's inevitable. Uh, my problem is the fact that average players go abroad, and then what happens is you get the the, the second or even third rung of sort of okay players also going young, and then then you know um, recently um, uh, a player who plays in for Al Al which were like four, 13th out of sixteen in the Polish extra classer. Uh, one of their players who's pretty average, Marzianic, he's called, and he basically is going to Empoli, which have just got promoted to the to the to Serie A, and it, it becomes a bit ridiculous because this guy is not a good player. Oh, he's not even he's not even he's an average player. And I don't know. I think that what happens is that the way that markets work is that uh, it's all about you know routes that are well travelled, right? So right. once someone penetrates. Then it's like we're looking for the same player, you know. That we, as it, you know, it's um, it's a, there's a kind of a, a mentality thing, as an emotional connection sure. as well about it. Um, so yeah, but uh, you know, uh, I still like the league. It's fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Chris, I want to thank you for your time uh, for agreeing to do this. Um, 
and we didn't mention it, but congratulations on your recent uh, on your recent marriage and all of the other changes that are going on. I I, I wish you the best, and Thanks so much. Uh, I I'll be a little bit more interested in in, in watching uh, Poland. I'll pay a little bit of, uh, extra attention. I'm I'm teaching summer school this year, so uh, that means that I will have the uh, you know the tablet on with all the games on. So uh, I'll be interested to to watch and kind of see how they do. Um, they have they have friendlies coming up, of course. Uh, they got to cut the squad down. So lots of work for uh, the manager still to do, but um, he's taking his time. He's being kind of pragmatic, and and hopefully we see Poland kind of do that. And um, yeah, I, I think if uh, if Poland meet England uh, at some stage, I think that will be will be good for you. I think it'll be good for for Poland. I think that's a a match they can cause England some trouble. And I know uh, any English listeners will now be hating me even more, but um, as an American whose family is from Italy and Norway, I don't have a dog in this fight at all. So uh, this is totally, uh, this is totally fun to, to be able to kind of root for, for Poland. And uh, yeah. So, so thanks for, for doing this. And I appreciate it. No worries. You're welcome. And I hope the tournament is a, a fun one. Lots of, lots of goals, but maybe not, maybe some defensive play as well. You know, not just, like the Champions League this year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, and, and just one more time, uh, can people can find you on Twitter at Right Bank Warsaw? Uh, we'll put the link in the, the show notes for both your Twitter uh, and your blog and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so people can find it there and, and stay up to date with uh, everything you have going on. And um, yeah, so thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much. that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, Obviously, this is not a normal show, but if you have any friends who are Saints fans, please consider passing this along. Uh, I would greatly appreciate that. Hopefully, if you are like me and from a country uh, that is not involved in the World Cup at all, uh, maybe this gives you a little bit more insight into the Polish squad and maybe what they're expecting, uh, and we'll see how it goes. And for all you English fans, they may indeed come up against Poland uh, in the knockout round, so we will wait and see for that. But uh, special thanks goes out to Tactics FC for setting this all up, for allowing me the opportunity to be involved. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Uh, be sure to follow Tactics FC. It's at Tactics underscore FC on Instagram, and the links to Twitter and all that stuff are in the show notes, so please go find them. Christopher Lash, also my guest, he's on Twitter at Ryan Bake Warsaw. Uh, once again, the links to his website, his blog, and all that stuff are in the show notes. Please go give him a follow. Uh, he's a wonderful dude, lots and lots of information on the Polish league and uh, special help on pronunciations with me. Uh, this week, we worked on it before we ever got on the air, which is uh, surprising if you listen to me try to say anything. So, uh, anyway, special thanks to Chris for taking time out of his day uh, to, to speak with me. Thanks, as always, goes out to my partner, uh, Jay Grant, who runs the Southampton page. Uh, For all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to visit the Southampton page. Uh, He's got all kinds of stuff uh, going on, both on Twitter and Instagram. And the logo for the show comes... Uh, courtesy of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, uh, has been a friend of the show for a long time. He helped me out uh, very early on. He's been a guest. So go find him, go follow him. Uh, You will not be disappointed in the edits and things that come out of that. Music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Box Hat Games. The song you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. Uh, You also heard the Polish National Anthem. That came from Wiki Commons. The link to that is also in the show notes. As always, be sure to follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at SFCDELL underscore I-V-E-R-Y. 
on Instagram and Twitter, and we're at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can also subscribe to the feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Uh, just simply search Delivery with two L's, D-E-L-L-I-V-E-R-Y. That should bring it up. Hit subscribe and you'll get each new episode as it comes out. We'll be back next week with another one. Uh, until then, remember that together we march on.